As we're getting ready to, to just tear down here for just a second, I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. If we haven't met, I was just down here doing the baby dedication. My name is Blake, um, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, but I cannot tell you how excited I am for tonight's message. And if you're just joining us, we're in this series called Making It Through the Mess. And uh, really, what we're talking about is that we kind of realized during COVID in this moment that our mental status and what's going on in our lives is, is a bit of a mess. It's a wreck right now. And so we've been talking about how God honestly wants to help us make sense of what's going on in our minds, to heal our minds and for us to move forward. And so we've talked about all these different things. We've talked about how in really in order to make it through the mess, we got to understand the truth of who God is. Because if we don't get who God is, how are we going to believe the truth about who he says we are. And so we, we started there, and then we began to look at how to set our mind on different things. And, and tonight, we're going to be talking about this idea of when you're stuck. When you feel stuck in life, when you feel like you, you just, your, your thoughts are continually going somewhere in this world, and you just can't get rid of it. I don't know if you've ever been there, but a lot of times in anxiety, we find ourselves there, right? You find yourself kind of obsessing over these certain things, and I was thinking about this, and I don't know if you know this, but I have ADD, like diagnosed ADD. I got, I got diagnosed with it when I was like, I don't know. In, in elementary school. I was told that I had the average attention span of three seconds. So I think goldfish got me beat. And so like that's literally how my life went. But one of the things that happens with people with ADD is I can do something called hyper-focusing. So we all think that people with ADD can't focus at all. No, they have a hard time getting into focus. But when I get really focused, I hyper-focus. In fact, um, my family will joke about it all the time, but when I was a kid and we didn't know that I had this, my parents, I'd be watching TV and something that I was really into on television, I'd watch it so intently. In fact, I'm left-eye dominant. I'm right-hand dominant, but left-eye dominant. And when I'm really, really, really concentrating on something, I turn my head. I'll actually, my wife asked me this when we were dating. She's like, why do you always turn your head when you're watching TV or like a movie? And I was like, I don't turn my head. And she's like, yeah, I, I think you're looking at me the whole time. So I said, well, sit on my left then, right? No, but I was just like, I don't, know, I don't even notice it. But because I'm left eye dominant and I'm hyper-focusing so much that my brain will actually turn my head and I'll focus in. But what was happening to me as a kid is my parents, and some parents in here are all going to testify to this, they would say my name about 20 times. Blake, hey, Blake, Blake, we need your, Blake, can you help set the dinner table? Blake, Blake, Blake. And then all of a sudden, I would hear screaming, Blake. And I'd be like, what? You know, like, I'd be like, what, what? Why are you so upset? And they'd be like, why are you yelling? I'm like, why are you yelling, right? Well, what happened is, is because I was hyper-focused in my life that I could not break away 
in my thought pattern. I couldn't break my mind away from this, what was going on. And I had to get this intervention moment where it took screaming to get this to happen. In fact, it even happens now. Kelsey will sometimes talk to me while I'm doing something or I'm, I'm concentrating on something really hard. And then all of a sudden she'll be like, Blake. And I'm like, what? And she's like, did you hear anything that I said? And I'm like, no, I didn't hear anything. I'm not actively not trying to hear you. I literally did not hear you. And I think for some of us, we kind of have ADD when it comes to our problems. Like we get hyper-focused on what is ahead of us, the thing that we're facing, that we become obsessed and stuck in a moment towards a thought. We get totally like sucked in and stuck and we need something to come in and kind of like wake up. Hey, hey, some attention here. I mean, how many of us can attest to the fact that sometimes when you are so stressed and anxious in life, you can't even eat? Like not even eating can get you out of the obsession. And so tonight we're going to be looking at this idea like tonight is going to be God banging in your life. Like, hey, I got something for you. I got something new for you. I need you to divert your attention. See, because you're obsessed and you're stuck in your problem. And here's what happens in our minds, right? This series has been all about, hey, here's what the word of God says, and here's how God made our brain. And so where do those two things come together? Because I'm a big believer in that science is not the enemy. It's just revealing the truth about who God is. It's just revealing who God is. It's a, a different side of the coin. And can I tell you, this isn't a science textbook. I mean, this is a book of faith, and it tells us so much about God, but I think sometimes we try to take this and squeeze it into places where God said, I didn't talk about that here. Now, I'm revealing it out there, but I didn't talk about it here. That's not the purpose of this book. This isn't a how-to, like how I made everything and how everything's worked. This is a book really about healing. And so God has something to say about this tonight, and he's going to really push us forward tonight in the series, and he's going to really, I think, help you maybe stop obsessing about some things going on. But let me just ask you a question. Where are you finding yourself stuck? Where are you finding yourself stuck in this life? And, and the best way that I can give the analogy other than ADD is to talk about ruts. Have you ever like been on the road? Have you noticed that the road in the middle is higher and the sides are deeper where the car tires go? Or if you've ever been off-roading or gone anywhere on a path, there is a clear path where tires have run through before, but to get out of the rut takes extreme energy. To t it takes extreme effort to get out of this process. And I just want to ask you, where are you stuck? There are probably some thoughts and some things that you say to yourself on a daily basis that you're stuck in. You're stuck. You, you can't get out of this. In fact, the word obsession is literally defined as a persistent, disturbing preoccupation with an often unreasonable idea or feeling. You want to get nicer, it's a compelling motivation. But I just want to ask you, where is the persistent, disturbing preoccupation with an often unreasonable idea? There's probably something in your life that you are stuck in. 
And so we're going to talk about this tonight. But there's something that I need you to understand about your brain before we begin. See, there's this area of your brain called the RAS. I'm going to say it one time because the, the idea of what the brain is, is this, this part of your brain kind of computes all the incoming data that comes into your mind. Okay, this it's called the reticular activating system. RAS, we're going to keep it there military style, right? Right, Aranda? Just easy. It's complicated. RAS, all right? But what the RAS does is it takes in, and it can actually analyze millions of data points in seconds. And what this part of your brain does is it begins to filter out the information that's coming into your mind, and it goes, hey, is this true? Is this information beneficial? And does this align with my previously part of my, my, my thought process? Does, it, does this align? And so here's what happens so much. You've been going to negative thoughts so much in your mind. There's a rut in your life. And when a new idea comes in, your RAS goes, that does not identify with the truth that we already believe. Let's get rid of it. Let's, let's extinguish that idea. And in fact, anyone in here ever try something new? Just anything, no, one, no new tryers. Okay, all right, you guys are all like boring, right? You've tried something new in your life. Anyone felt really awkward when you try something new? That's your RAS. Your RAS goes, we've never done this. Wait a second, this is weird. I'm gonna make you feel awkward about this because we don't wanna go to new things. So last week, we talked about this idea of change. How are we going to move forward in what God has for us? We're going to change. We're going to clarify the feeling. We're going to have a conversation with God. We're going to analyze and ask questions about it. We're going to navigate how to apply the truth in our life. We're going to go towards the truth, and then we're going to experience freedom. Did anyone this week try change? Right? Anyone have your penny in your pocket this week? Did it feel awkward? That's your RAS. Because your RAS works against your change. But here's the deal. We all think that this RAS only affects us when we're doing something good, right? Like, I'm going to try something new that's good. But anyone ever here lie and feel awkward about it? Everyone, anyone in here ever look at a person with lust and go, ooh, that felt weird? Right? I mean, I remember uh, when the first time that I was exposed to pornographic material. I was 10 years old. I was at a friend's house. He had an older brother, and he had Playboy magazines under the bed. When I saw the, the magazines, and we, we pulled out the magazines, I, like, got flustered. I was like, oh, no. You know, I got freaked out. But here's the deal. That was the RAS going, no, 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 no. This is new. Let's stop this. But being curious in all of these things and the world telling you, oh, that's normal, that's good, we pressed through. Right? We, we, kept, we got through the awkward. Let me just tell you, the RAS isn't totally bad, but it can be used against us in our lives. So let me just ask you, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck in your life? And we're going to look at the Word of God tonight, and I really believe that there's four major areas where you and I get stuck. And I, you might be stuck in all these areas, right? COVID really messed us up, right? Like there are some things that each one of us are going to be stuck in. The easiest ones to figure out are the physical ones, right? You can, you, can, you can figure out where you're stuck real quick. But I think where it all starts for so many of us is we get stuck in our hurt. 
We get stuck in our hurt. Listen to what the Bible says. If you have one with you, we're going to be in John chapter 5. If not, don't worry. The text will be on the screen for you. But in John chapter 5, we find this guy who's been stuck. Jesus, in this text, has gone into Jerusalem, but he immediately, I want you to notice this, every time Jesus enters Jerusalem or goes into a city, he immediately goes where people are hurting the most. He immediately goes, generally, when he gets to a city, to the people or person that is hurting the most. And so I just want to tell you tonight, we, some stuff might come up in your life, right? Like, and it's going to feel awkward and you're going to get nervous and you're going to feel God wanting to go, hey, we need to change that. And you're going to go, no, 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 this is too much. I can't, I can't do this. And so what happens in this story is we're going we're gonna to kind of parachute in, but Jesus has come into Jerusalem and he's going to go to a place where all these sick people hang out. And it's not for a good reason, but I want you to understand some things with me. So follow along with me. Uh, chapter five, verse three. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. That's hurting people. In fact, so many people during this time thought the reason that you would have a physical issue is because it was attached to a spiritual one. Can I tell you that some of us have some physical issues in our life because they're attached to a spiritual one? Yes, we need physical healing, and absolutely, but could I just maybe encourage you tonight that your problem may not be the physical the physical may be the manifestation of the problem. And so Jesus walks into this place where all of these people are hurting. And there was a, there, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. I will be 35 this year. This guy has been hurt in an invalid three years longer than I've been on this earth. That's a long time. Jesus went to the worst case. Jesus went to the hardest one, the person who had been hurting for the longest time. When Jesus, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? If you've been with Bedrock, we've done a series and a message on that phrase right there. Do you want to be healed? Well, I'm going to ask that same question right here, right now. Do you want to be healed? Because here's the thing, sometimes we get so comfortable in the mess of our mind, we're willing to stay there. See, you will never change until the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of changing. Some of you right now are going to stay in your mess and you're shutting off in this message because you go, you don't know what's in my life. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know how long it's been there. I can't, I'm, I'm almost hyperventilating right now. Jesus intentionally went immediately to the person who is hurting most in the text who had been hurt for the longest time and says, I'm going to heal you. But he asked him a real question. I don't think Jesus is like, hey, do you want to be healed? Like, it's not, this is not a carnival trick. Who wants to be healed? Who wants to be healed? I think Jesus is legitimately going to this guy and going, do you want to be healed? And the reason that Jesus is asking this question is because this guy has been trying everything else but God to be healed. And for some of us in here, you've tried everything else but God. You've tried medicine, you've tried therapy, you've tried escaping, you've tried drinking, you've tried sex, you've tried, you've tried uh, relationships, you've, try, you've tried everything that the world says, if you have that, you'll be okay. This guy has tried everything. And Jesus says, 
Do you want to be healed? And can I just tell you that maybe the reason that God isn't healing that thing in you is because you're trying to heal it with other things than him. See, because here's what I'm going to say. If you have a physical ailment, I'm not going to say don't take medicine. I'm just going to say don't rely on medicine without Jesus. It's because we got to put our first thing first, Jesus first, then everything else. Some of us have been trying everything else apart from Jesus. How's it going? See, because what COVID did to all of us and what quarantine did to all of us, it just revealed the mess that was already there. See, we all think, oh, man, it put us in a mess. This was the best time in world history to be in quarantine. We have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime. Disney Plus came out. They released movies. We got stimulus checks. Groceries can be delivered to your door. You can FaceTime with your friends. You can talk online. You can, I, mean, you're, I mean, you were quarantined physically. That's it. You weren't quarantined relationally. You weren't quarantined from food. You weren't quarantined from water. You didn't live in a leprosy camp. Like, you didn't have to move to another place. For the, the, this is the best time in the world to be quarantined. Some of y'all needed a vacation. The reason you can't take a vacation is because your mind is such a mess, you can't relax. I mean, we all talked about how COVID has been this thing, like this plague on humanity for our mental health. I think COVID just revealed what was already there. We were a mess before it happened. And that's what's going on in this text. Jesus begins to ask him, do you want to be healed? Like, do you want this to happen in your life? And I'm going to just ask you right now, like, you can just turn off if you don't want to be. You can just stop right here. Because everything else won't matter. But I believe you're in this room tonight for a purpose. I don't believe you should appear by accident on a Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. at Bedrock. I believe that God wants to heal you, and I believe you need to be healed. You're not here by mistake, because I don't believe in a God of coincidence. I believe in a God of purpose. And so he says, look at how the man says. He doesn't even say yes. He says, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, see, there's this belief that when the water in this pool got stirred, an angel came down and like ran his fingers in it. Like, and they're like, jump in. And whoever gets in first, they get healed. And then I think when someone didn't get physically healed, because that's a myth, I think that they were like, oh, it was a tie. Obviously a tie, right? Or they, they had some guy set up, right? The guy's like, oh, I'm limping. And then they're like, someone blowing the water and he fell in. He's like, I'm good. I'm high. I'm healed, right? But this guy's been sitting at that pool desperate for 38 years. Where have you been sitting desperate for a really long time? See, because sometimes we're all looking to the things that can't heal us, and we're sitting there desperately obsessed with them. Oh, my relationship, it'll heal me. I know it will. It will make me whole. Listen, if you walk into a relationship and you're not whole already, it's just going to be, not in a good way, a holy relationship. Like it's going to have some problems, okay, because you're just bringing your garbage into the whole thing. I'm just telling you. Right, if you, if you thought all of these things, you're just taking your wounding and your mess with you. And so this pool begins to get stirred. And look at what he says. He doesn't even say yes. He starts talking out of his hurt. There's no one to help me. How many of you, God says, hey, you want to be healed? And you said, but there's no one to help me. 
Well, like, I've tried the medicine. I've tried the therapy. I've tried this. Like, there's just no one here to help me because we make excuses in our hurt so we don't get disappointed. But can I just tell you, you're fulfilling that prophecy that you're so scared of. What if God doesn't do it? So I'm going to build all these barriers over here so I don't get disappointed by God. I'm, you know, like, it's like when you fail to start something, why? Because I'm afraid it's not going to work. Well, then it already didn't get started and it already didn't work. It's just easier for you to deal with because you didn't put as much effort in. Some of us are so afraid in this room to put our belief and hope in God because our hurt says, our RAS says, don't, that's new. You might get disappointed. That might hurt worse. That's, that's new. This is awkward. When I say, hey, you need to rely 100% on God, you're like, nope, that's weird. That feels awkward. And it's keeping you from the one thing that can heal you. So God says, look, he says, there's no one here to help me. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, get up and walk, pick up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Listen, I think that we really get hurt. We walk in our hurt. We get stuck in our hurt in three different ways, physically. There are some people who have been in accidents. There are some things that have happened to physically in this life. And how many of you know the physical things may have healed, but the emotional pain and the spiritual pain hasn't? I mean, how many of us are walking around and we're still like hurt little kids? And I don't mean that in a poor way. Something happened to you in your childhood and you're carrying it around with you now. All the physical stuff healed, but the hurt's still there. This is what this guy is. But we already noticed the issue wasn't really the physical. He was already hurting and defeated inside. See, because when we have physical hurt, it generally, uh, it's, a, it's a symptom of what's going on. Anyone ever seen Sherlock Holmes? The show Sherlock? We love the one on, it was like on PBS. It's a British show. You can see it on Netflix. But, you know, Sherlock always has this sidekick. His name's Watson. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a dysfunctional relationship, I'm not going to lie. But here's the thing. In the very first episode, Watson is this war hero, and he got shot. And he has to walk around with a cane. But Sherlock realizes, you don't need that cane. Your mental is affecting your physical. And there's a part in this episode, if you haven't seen it, it's the very first episode of this series, go watch it. There's a part where Watson has to respond quickly without thinking. And in this moment, he drops the cane and he can run and walk perfectly. And after that, the rest of the season, he's completely fine. See, Watson's problem wasn't physical. It was just manifesting physically. For so many of us, you can't eat. You're losing weight. You're gaining weight. You're doing all of these things. And you think, oh, I just need all of this medicine. I need to see all of these doctors because it's just physical. No, 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 no. It's spiritual and it's emotional. That's exactly what happened here to the guy. I've been here for 38 years. I'm emotionally hurting, and now I've been abandoned by people. No one's helped put me in the water. I'm emotionally and relationally wounded. See, because, so what happens in our life is we get an emotional pain, an emotional hurt, which sets itself in us mentally, and then mentally we express ourselves physically, right? Because as you think, you do. Some of us are hurting spiritually and running to things physically in the world to heal our hurt. Why do you think addiction exists? Why do you think addiction starts? I don't know too many people in this world who go, I love my life 
every aspect of my life. Let's try heroin. I love my life. I love my family. My wife and I, our relationship is great. I have more money than you could know what to do with. I'm going to go buy some crack. I've run out of things to buy. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I feel great. I'm feeling good. Let's try meth. Not happening in this world because you're masking and using something physical to stop the pathway in your brain to going to that hurt, and you're just putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. And then you get to the point where the thing that was meant to heal you now holds you. How many of us have gone to something for healing and now it owns us? It's your master. It owns you. And you, you went to it for freedom. So many of us have put ourselves into the hands of others, into the hands of things, and willingly given up our freedom. Oh, yep, okay, you, you can heal me? You, you got a promise? Okay, go, go, go ahead. No, 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 now I own you. I just want to tell you guys right now, things without souls will never satisfy things with souls. So if you're looking at things of this world to satisfy the hurt that's in your soul, you will be sorely mistaken and you will end up in bondage. So Jesus says, look, you can get stuck in your hurt. Some of us just need to stop right now. In fact, I'm going to pray. Father, whatever you're revealing in people right now, do not let them push it away. Whatever you're saying right now, we know that you made our mind, but you've made a spirit who dwells in us, in the Holy Spirit. For someone in this room is crying out right now, don't ignore this. He's talking to you. I'm talking to you, not because I want you to hurt, because I want you to heal. See, some of us are stuck in our hurt. God, help us get free. Help us get free. Whatever that thing is, whatever happened when we were a kid, whatever our dad said to us, whatever our mom said to us, whatever that person said to us, God, I just pray against it right now. Lord, I pray that we are no longer bound in that, but you bind that in our mind. That you right now will intercede with your Holy Spirit through your word right now, and you will make that thing sit down to you. And you will speak truth to it right now. We are not meant to be wounded people walking around. We are meant to be freed people who walk around because we were healed by your wounds. Whoever needs it now, God, intervene. Amen. And so we're going to move on. I, know, I don't know why. That's not in my notes, guys. I just felt like I needed to say that. But can I just tell you just one cue for you where you're emotionally hurt right now? If you think everything that other people do is the worst, you're emotionally hurt. If you think the worst things about, oh, oh, they did that because they wanted to hurt me, you're just living in hurt, right? Anyone ever have a sunburn and your friend comes up who loves you and pats you on the back and you're like, ow, like you get cut. And they're like, what? I love you. I was just saying hi. And you're like, why would you hurt me like that? And you're like, I can't tell that you're burnt like that. Why didn't you wear SPF, right? Like what's going on? That's some of you, it's like your heart is sunburnt. And people will say something to you and you will tell them like, hey, this is what's going on. And they go, why would you hurt me? You have the worst intentions in the world. In fact, there was one person that I was dealing with years ago and we were literally planning an event and this person's life blew up, like blew up bad. And so Kelsey and I were talking and we're like, you know, we needed them to do this one thing 
like, like a craft, okay, let's call it a craft, right? And I asked them, like, hey, can you do this? Well, their life blew up the week before, and I mean, not like, oh, man, that's bad. It was like, oh, bad, bad, bad. This is bad, bad, bad. Where I was up till 3, 4 in the morning counseling people bad. And so we decided, because we love them, that we were going to take that craft, and Kelsey and I were going to do that to give them reprieve. Like, hey, we're just, we're going to cover you. We're going to take care of you. The moment that we did that event and that craft happened, they came up to us after and they said, why did you do that? I was like, because we love you and we care for you. And they were like, no, you just didn't think I could do it. And I thought, oh, somebody's living in hurt. But you know what? When someone emotionally responds to you like that, you cannot be triggered. You know what I mean? Like some of you, you, you're just backing up in the parking lot and then all of a sudden someone's giving you sign language like, yo, bro, and you're like, you know what? Who hurt you? What happened to you? I was, at, I was at Panera Bread a few months ago now and this lady, she made a to-go order and they didn't get it right because online, like Panera corporate wasn't working and she was screaming at the person behind there and I just wanted to go up to this lady and say, who hurt you? Who hurt you? You wonder why people overreact? Because they're spiritually raw. Their hearts are hurting. And because they've been looking for everything else and they're not being satisfied. And how many of you know when your hurt isn't satisfied, you grow desperate. And when you grow desperate, you snap. Spouses, people in relationship, people with kids, right now, I want to help you not have more wounding. When someone responds like that to you, you can identify right now, there's a hurt. And let me just tell you something. You don't have to agree with the reason someone feels the way that they do, but you need to address the feeling first. You go, that doesn't make sense. You know what? Feelings don't make sense. I think they're the most confusing things in the world, to be honest with you. I don't like feelings. Can I just be honest? I'm like, what the heck? And especially with my kids. And I have three girls and my wife. One time, my wife was laughing hysterically. She was like, ha, 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 and started bawling. We were three weeks into marriage. And I was like, what the heck just happened here? Right? So literally, she's bawling. And, I, and even now, she'll sometimes start laughing, and I'll hear it. And she goes, stop. Don't make me laugh anymore. I'm about to cry. And I'm like, this is a weird thing happening. So I'll just leave. I'll be like, mm, okay, I'm out of here. So literally, I had to tell Kelsey, I had to tell Kelsey in that moment, I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I was like, uh, uh, this, we're having a breakdown. And literally I said, okay, so you got two options. I'll do whatever you don't do. You could go do the dishes or you can walk the dog. I'll do whatever you don't. What do you need? And I was like, please say walk the dog. But uh, she was like, I'll do the dishes. Because I just thought, I got to get her out of this moment. I got to, you know, like, wake up. Hey, it's okay. Just, okay, let's do something else. Because this is freaking me out, right? I'm wounded. I'm, I have actually PTSD from that. I, can you all pray for me? I'm scared to make my wife laugh sometimes, okay? <laughs> oh, Lord. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just not even going to be funny right now. So we get stuck in our hurt. We get stuck in these things. But can I just tell you what else we get stuck in? We get stuck in our perfection. How many of you all have one way to do something? And that way is the right way. That way is the way that it's supposed to happen. Some of you all have heart attacks if toilet paper isn't hung the right way on the reel. You're like, what is it? Over the top or below? Over the top. Who said over the top? Over the top. Raise a hand. Who said below? 
Who says, I don't care? Right here, it's coming off either way, okay, right? I don't walk into the bathroom and be like, oh, I'm triggered. <laughs> you see that toilet paper? I get that way if there's no toilet paper. Then I panic. I'm like, oh, Lord, right? Like, help me, help me. Somebody help me. I don't care what way it's going. But some of us, see, we get, we get stuck in our perfection, we get stuck in the way that it has to happen. See, some of you are stuck with God because God's trying to do it the way that you wouldn't. You're stuck. You're emotionally a mess. You're mentally a mess because God's saying, I'm doing it a different way than you want because I know it's perfect in your eyes, but in my eyes, it's not so great. And so I'm going to do it a different way. And you're stuck and you can't move forward in your life. And the pathway that you're building in your mind is why, 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 why would you do it like this? Why? I want you to notice what happens. In this story, this guy's been an invalid for 38 years, sitting at a pool, waiting to be healed. Jesus says, do you really want to be healed? And he gives all these excuses because he's living out of his hurt. And Jesus ignores the hurt and goes, get up and walk. I want you to, I mean, you think that you saw that, you'd be like, bro, this dude's real. This guy is awesome. This guy's got it going on. If we jump down in the story, I want you to see what happens. John chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. And then we'll jump down to verse 16. Now that day was the Sabbath. And if you know Jewish tradition, you ain't supposed to work on the Sabbath. So I guess healing somebody that was an invalid for 38 years was work. It wasn't hard work for Jesus. He just had to say it. But... It was work, I guess. So the Jews said to the man, they see this man 38 years as an invalid. They see him walking and they're like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> you're carrying that mat on a day you're not supposed to work. You think they'd be like, bro, you were paralyzed earlier. What, what happened? They were like, no, 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 no. Why are you carrying that mat? They missed the healing. They missed the miracle because their perfect way of doing things wasn't met. See, God didn't rest on the seventh day because he needed to. Because guess what? He made the earth and the universe, but he was still working to hold it in creation. He didn't need a break, but he took a break for you and I. He was still working. God didn't stop. He was sustaining everything. But he does this, and, and these, these Pharisees and these people are like, it's the Sabbath and is it not lawful for you to take up your bed and carry it? Some of us in here, because we have a perfect way of doing it, just because it didn't happen the way that you wanted it to, you ignore it. You didn't make the bed right. That's not how you cook that. Don't you know how to do the dishes? Don't you know which way the forks and spoon go in the dishwasher? Come on! You miss the miracle of your partner serving rather than just acknowledging thank you because you're stuck and you're perfect. Look what happens just following this. Verse 16. And this was why, literally, because Jesus healed a paralyzed man on a day that they didn't agree with it and he was carrying a mat... Verse 16, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. They miss the miracle because they're stuck and they're perfect. Some of you, because you want to avoid wounding, try to do things perfectly, because you can control that. 
And if you can control it, you find a sense of security in it. And you can ignore all those thoughts that you don't really want to deal with. You can ignore the mess because if I do this this way, this is what will happen. I know how it goes. And if I do that, everything will be perfect and I'll be okay because I'm still stuck in my hurt. And so I need to control. Let me just ask you, are you stuck in your perfection? God rarely does things the way that we expect him to. God rarely does things that we think are perfect. If I planted this church and I wanted it to be perfect, a check for a million dollars would have showed up in the bank. That would have been perfect. But that's not the story that God wanted to write with Bedrock. He wanted this to be a story of faith. So he gave us $2,500. My perfect? Nope. God's perfect? Yes. And some of us are getting stuck in our life because God's doing it differently than you would. And then, not only do we get stuck in our hurt, we get stuck in our perfection. Because we're hurting, we're going to try to do things perfectly so we don't have to deal with anything. And so your mind is now obsessed with your hurt and obsessed with a way to do it so you cannot think about it. You want to know, like, OCD is a real thing? Some of you are OCD about things in your life, that this is the way that it has to happen. And if it doesn't, it makes you freak out because you're out of control. Can I just tell you something? You're out of control. Like you are. You didn't wake up this morning. You know the earth's axis is flipping? You can't control that. There's a virus going around. You can't control that. You can't control so much. You can't even control if you're going to wake up. Stop deceiving yourself. This is a life of faith. This is a life of belief. But see, so many of us get stuck in our understanding. How many of y'all thought something about God and God showed up and did it differently and you're like, oh, that wasn't him. That's not how he does that. Now, I will tell you, there's some things that God doesn't do and we can know. Like if you said, like, Blake, I think God's doing something new. I'm like, okay, what's that? He's called me to be a drug dealer. I'd be like, God's not doing something new. That's not God. He's not calling you to that, okay? Like, I want to know God's will for my life. A doctor or a drug dealer? I'm going to be like, it's a doctor. Like, you don't even need to pray about that. God's not calling you to deal drugs, right? Like, you can know that. But there's some things in our lives that we think this is the way. Like, how many of us think our life should be perfect after we meet Jesus? That's my understanding. Everything should be perfect. And God goes, you don't grow in perfect. You don't move forward because when things are perfect, you stop relying on me. And what you realize when things are perfect, you're declining. You're, you're not progressing because you're not moving forward. In John chapter 6, I just, just listen to this. So Jesus went to them, verse 53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the, fl- the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you're like, this is weird, don't worry, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Ooh, here we go. It gets weirder. As, verse 57, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven. He's referring to the manna when they were in the wilderness. This is the manna that came, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread of the fathers. They ate and they died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Verse 59, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. If you go with us to Israel, I'll take you to that synagogue. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus ever told you a hard saying? And you go, who can listen to that? Now, you and I have the perspective of the Last Supper. So when he says, eat, Jesus is not a cannibal, okay? He's not like, eat me up. What he means is whoever believes in the death that I did, partakes of that and believes in that salvation and accepts the blood that was spilled by me for salvation, you'll live forever. He was telling them the truth. He's telling them the road to salvation. He's telling them what he's going to do. I'm going to break my body. I'm going to spill my blood. And if you believe in that, you'll be saved forever. That's, and they're like, this is hard. What you're saying, this is weird, Jesus. And he's like, that's because your understanding isn't there yet. I'm telling you the truth. You just don't get it. Look at what happens in John chapter 6, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. As soon as Jesus gave them a hard teaching, because they lacked understanding and couldn't receive it by faith, they were stuck. And they left the God who loved them. So are you stuck right now because you don't understand what God is doing? You just don't see what God's doing. You don't see the master plan. You don't see the perfection. You don't see all of these things. And you're stuck because it's not the way that you do it. You don't understand how he's going to do it. How do you think the disciples felt when Jesus showed up on a cross and died? I don't get this. Things were going great. We were like doing ministry, healing people, all of these things. I don't get it. You want me to eat your flesh and drink your blood and then I'll be saved? That's weird. You don't get it. See, God is plainly telling us what we need to do. We just think it sounds crazy. That's called faith, where you're going to believe in what you don't understand. And let me just tell you, if you think you're ever going to figure out God's mind, you've got another thing coming to you. But thank God he doesn't do it the way that we understand it. And parents, you understand this. You understand this mentality. How many of you ever told your kids to do something and they say, why? And you say, because I said so. And you're, and you're like, you little brats, why would you question me? And how many of you, God goes, do this. And you say, why? And he says, because I said so. Does he look at you and go, little brat? <laughs> no, he goes, Ugh. Uh, I don't, they don't get it. They don't understand. Uh, we were the other day, we were with our kids, and we were by a busy road, and we heard what I thought sounded like the, a car jumping the curb. And it was close. And so I told my kids, get in the car. Well, everyone's got to know why, don't they? Like, why? And I was like, don't talk, just move, get in the car. Why are you so mean? I'm not mean, I'm concerned. I'm not mean, I'm loving. And so I'm talking to you in a direct way, so get, you get your butt in the car so you don't get hit by a car. Why? 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 
Stop leaning on your own understanding and start trusting what God's doing. You're stuck in your understanding, and it's not the perfect way that God would do it for you because you got hurt in you that isn't healed, so you're stuck. But finally, the way that you and I get stuck is in our expectations. How many of us are stuck that this is the way God does it? This is the way he should do it. Do you know, we're going to read just a quick story, and then I'm going to end here with this. Mark chapter 11, verse 9 through 11. I'm not making like an analogy on 911, believe me. Okay, someone was like, oh, it's getting good. No, it's not. It's not a 911 because we need a rescue, right? Well, I could preach on that. Anyway, but here's what it says. Mark chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem for the very first, like the last time. In fact, when you read Holy Week, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus is riding into the city, and it says this, verse 9. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father, David. If you know anything about David, David was a warrior king. David killed Goliath with the sling and the stone. David defeated armies. David was the man. In fact, David built up a bunch of dudes who were called his mighty men. He's a boss. And so they say, praise be, here comes the Lord. He's going to kill all the Romans. He is going to kill all of our enemies, and he is going to reign in Jerusalem, and a new kingdom is going to be established. He's the Messiah. They got the he's the Messiah right, and they did get that he's a warrior king right. They just didn't get the enemy right. See, Jesus wasn't coming in to kill Rome. Jesus was coming in to kill death. So many people were worshiping Jesus as this warrior king coming to kill the Romans when Jesus was coming in as a warrior king to kill our greatest enemy, death. And so many people missed it because on Sunday he rode in as a king and on Friday he was hanging on a tree. And you know, all of the the talk about Jesus, he wore a crown of thorns. They put a plaque over his cross that said, here is the king of the Jews. They raised him up on a throne called a tree where he sat on a high place and everyone looked up to him. He fulfilled everything that a king was. He was just fighting a different war. But so many people missed who he really was because they really didn't understand who he was really fighting. How many of us in this room are missing what God is doing because God isn't wrong. Our expectation is. Our expectation of what God is doing is wrong. See, because thanks be to God, he doesn't do what we expected because he uses a stuttering murderer named Moses to free Israel. He doesn't do the expected. He uses a shepherd boy to defeat a giant. He doesn't do what is expected. He takes them to a sea and he parts it. He doesn't do what is expected. He has a baby born in a manger that grows up to be a savior. Thank God he doesn't do what is expected. He uses death to bring life. Thank God he doesn't do what is expected. And so where are you in this moment in time? See, all of us, are obsessed and stuck because our thoughts constantly go to these things. That's not the way you should do it. That's not the way you should do it. That's not the way that you should do it. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. 
I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. You, you're stuck in these moments. Yeah, this is the way you should. This is how I would do it. It's perfect. Don't mess this up. I am hurt. And so I can't stop thinking about these things. And what the enemy whispers in your ear all the time feeds that. Don't you know what happened? Don't you know what they did to you? Don't you know how much that hurt? God starts to try to heal you, and he's doing it right now. Some of you have a whisper in the back of your mind right now. He can't do that. Did he really say? That's what got him in the garden. Did he really say? He just twisted the truth. He caused us to doubt the truth. You're getting whispered. Your way's better. God doesn't get it. God's going to do it the way that you expect. God's let you down. You're stuck. And you start believing these lies and you're building literal ruts in your brain. And can I just tell you something? When you think a thought, neurochemicals go off in your brain and start shaping it. But I told you early in the series, there's a way to heal. There's a way to heal from all of this. Because God has this incredible vision for our lives. And so here's what's going to happen. That RAS factor in your brain is going to light up when you start trying to get healing. This is awkward. Don't do that. Ooh, we've never seen that before. Let's avoid that. We know the mess that we're in. We don't know where the healing is, so let's just stay where we're comfortable. And you're like, why am I not living the abundant Christian life? Because you're stuck. You're stuck in a rut. And so... What do you need to understand about this moment? See, can I just tell you a personal rut for me? When I was 12 years old, I played baseball. I was good at baseball. Um, and when I was 12 years old, I was getting selected for the all-star team. I was at the selection process. I was sitting there. They were calling names, the National League all-star team. And they read all the names, and I didn't get picked but the coach's nine-year-old son did. So for the rest of my life, I believe I wasn't good enough. For the rest of my life, I believed for a very long time I couldn't do it. I didn't have a lot to offer, and so I was scared to try so many things because this was the lie. You're not enough. It won't happen. It wasn't perfect. You're hurt. It sucks to be rejected. And I have sat in a rut in my life, and I have to actively fight that rut. There are so many times, and I'm not saying this out of sympathy, I just want to let you in in my mind, that I will ask Cody or John or Kelsey or my mom or my dad and say, did that message work? Did that message land? Was that good enough? Are you sure? Do you think we can still do this? Do you think we're losing the church? Do you think that this isn't going to happen? All because when I was 12 years old, I didn't get picked for the all-star team. I didn't understand it. It wasn't my perfect vision of how my year was supposed to end. I had expectations that people would treat me fairly. I was 12. And all that led to hurt. And now that hurt's been dominating my life because I always run back to the thought, you're not enough. This is honest. Where's the hurt in your life? See, and I have to feel awkward in saying, in Christ, I am enough. Because of Jesus, I'm more than enough. Because of Jesus, this is going to happen. 
because of Jesus, it is okay. Because of Jesus, even when I'm, a ter- I'm terrible at preaching, he's enough to make it happen. And it's awkward, and it feels weird, and I feel like this sounds like self-help stuff, and I don't like feeling. So I don't want to do this. And then I realize I'm stuck. And I didn't want to be stuck enough that I didn't get how to move forward. And so let me just tell you, if we're going to really change, it's going to feel awkward. Some of you tried change this week and already gave up because it was awkward. Because your RAS says don't do that. And the enemy keeps whispering the lie, it won't work. Take God up on it. It won't work unless you do it. And so you're going to feel awkward, but let me just tell you this, keep going. You're going to clarify this root thought. You're going to go through the process of change. You're going to clarify the thought. You're going to have a combo with God about it. You're going to ask and analyze questions. You're going to navigate how to apply the truth. You're going to then go to the truth, and then you will experience freedom. And some of us think it's a one and done. I did it. I'm changed. How many of you know you don't change one time? Now, the wounding might come in one time, and you started obsessing about it because we have a survival mechanism that wants to keep us from hurt. So you'll go back. Always go back because you were built biologically to survive. So you will avoid things that hurt you. But what if God wants to heal you? And we've got to uproot the hurt to get the healing because what's concealed can't be healed. And then this is what you're going to do. You're going to get stuck in a new way. You're going to get stuck on the truth. You are going to ruminate. I want you to have that penny in your pocket. If you missed last week's message, go back to it. Get a penny. I want you to rub that penny so much that it, it's just now a copper coin. There's no faces on it anymore. There's no, like you've rubbed that so much because you're so obsessed and stuck on what God is doing in your life. And here's the reality. You will change because here's the science. When you choose not to go down that pathway, and you choose to think the truth and go towards the truth, there's a neurological system that happens. And what begins to happen is your brain begins to rewire towards the truth. And when you begin to feel that feeling, you'll say, nope, here's the truth. And you know why you can do that so quickly? Because you've built a path there. And so you're just stuck in the wrong things. See, if you got stuck in paradise with all the money in the world and your family was perfect and you're living on an island and it's great and you don't need anything, that's a good place to be stuck. Some of y'all are just stuck in the pit. Some of y'all are just stuck like mentally in hell right now. We just got to get towards freedom. And so that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to feel awkward, but you're going to push through the awkward. You know why? Because your freedom's that important. And God's freedom for you is that important. And so we're not going to let a little bit of feeling get in the way of healing. And you know that that's true because it rhymed. <laughs> And so tonight, I just want to say this as we end. God probably called something out in your heart. Can I just tell you something? You don't have to fix everything. Let's just fix one thing. We don't have to fix every part of our life right now. Let's just fix one thing. Let's just start somewhere. What's the one thing that God is telling you? That's what I want to deal with. You say, that, that's the worst. Let's start easier. And God goes, nope, we're going to start here. See, because the main problem that you and I all had was death, the worst. Spiritual, relational, emotional, and physical death. And so God didn't start, I'm going to make these people happier why they die. God says, I'm going to take care of death, 
and then we're going to teach them how to be happy. Your greatest problem and my greatest problem is sin and death. 